Welcome to Basecamp for Men. I'm your host, Tony Rezac. This is the show that gives you insights and resources in how to live a more courageous life. We'll be looking at men, the current state of masculinity, and how to create a more inspiring narrative for all men. Welcome and let's get started. The creative life. For me, there's something uniquely courageous about artists and creative types. It's not that others don't exhibit courage or creativity in their own ways. It's that people who follow their artistic vision often become examples of how to live a life that's true to the heart and true to yourself. Artists and creatives tend to be trailblazers. I also sense that creative individuals hone their intuition and their instincts. Any artist will tell you that one of the things you develop over time is an ability to listen to and express the muse, this elusive, collective, creative force that beckons artists across time and space to express the power and the beauty of the creatively led life. When I was younger, I was very focused on sports. After all, this is what guys did, right? It wasn't until I got into my 20s that an interest in creative pursuits started to take seed. Yet even then, I couldn't give myself permission to really explore it. After all, I wasn't creative, right? I was a jock. By a stroke of luck in my 20s, I became friends with Jeff Sagalerwich. He was a lot like me. He loved sports and he loved to be at a party or a fun bar. But Jeff was also learning how to play guitar and seemed to have his pulse on his own creativity. One year, we decided to winter in Phoenix to get away from the dreary northwest rain. And a night in our apartment, I confessed to him that I'd always wanted to try painting. He asked me how come I haven't. My reply, I wouldn't know where to start, or I wouldn't know what to buy, blah, blah, blah. And that was the end of the conversation that night. However, the next afternoon when I came home from work, I found all these paint supplies spread out across the floor canvases and brushes and acrylic paints and everything you need to get started. Jeff, being more bold than I, went out and bought the starter kit. And I was not used to giving myself permission to be really bad at something or to learn something from the ground up. Yet here was my friend Jeff providing me with this very opportunity. We proceeded to turn our apartment into the worst art gallery you've ever seen. Bad painting after bad painting, especially mine. But we also hit some good ones, especially Jeff. And this would change the way I saw myself in relation to creativity. I would go on to be a writer, learn basic guitar, and even though I don't do a lot of painting or drawing anymore, it is still something I'm apt to do from time to time. I see my drawings and paintings as evidence, evidence that there is creativity that flows in all of us, myself included. My guest today is Jason Minisha, an actor and artist that I've known for almost 30 years. And we sat down to talk about creativity and the road less traveled. Jason Manish is an actor and producer living in Portland, Oregon. His onstage credits include appearances in Artist Repertory Theater, Lakewood Theater, Profile Theater, and Northwest Classical Theater Company, where he also served as Associate Artistic Director. He launched his own company, Asylum Theater, in 2018 with the mission statement, quote, Asylum Theater lives at the intersection of art and entertainment, inhabiting an intimate performance space and bringing a distinctive voice to plays that connect challenge, inspire, and entertain, unquote. Outside of the arts, Jason's interests include yoga, baseball, motorcycling, gardening, and his cat, Betty. All right. I am here with Jason Manisha, a good friend of mine. Jason, welcome to Base Camp for Men. It's great to have you on the show. Thanks for having me, Tony. I'm stoked to do it. Yeah, welcome back. You were actually on episode 10 as part of the Warrior Dog Council. And yeah, yeah, yeah. 
got to hear your voice there. First off, I want to give my condolences to the Dodgers. I know you're a big Dodgers fan. <laughs> oh man, yeah. I mean, you know, I'll tell you. I thank you, by the way. I appreciate that. <laughs> I was uh, I was spared some of the trauma. I was actually in rehearsal while that game was on. So when I left the house, you know, we were up three to nothing and I thought oh this is going to be great sure and as it fell apart I was just getting the news through you know my baseball app yeah uh, just seeing three to three and then literally I don't want to spend too much time on this but literally I'm walking into the house and I'm watching it on my app as I'm trying to get my laptop going which is where I play the games and I see bases loaded and then I see this thing that says you know ball in play runs scored and the app changes from three to three to four to three. And I'm like, oh, you're oh, no. kidding me. What happened? I know. I know. <laughs> I know. It's funny because here, uh, the Washington Nationals who beat the Dodgers, they're one win away from making the World Series, which when they do that, it will leave the Seattle Mariners as the only organization never to play in a World Series. That's right. They were the other club. And when yeah. I talked to my 12-year-old, I go, Lucas are the Mariners ever going to play in a World Series? And he goes, he had this kind of thoughtful pause and he goes, Daddy, I predict they will, but you have to live to be 100 years old. <laughs> so he gave himself an out and said, you got to live to be 100. So I go, well, I'm going to have to amp up my self-care because I want to see that with you when they do. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, it's, do, do you have faith in what they say they're doing, right? I mean, the rebuild, they're, they're doing the thing and it worked, it worked for the Astros. So totally, you know, we'll yeah. see. We're, we're dead. I mean, my chips are in, man. Please oh, have, have, have this work out for us. So. I'm behind them 100%. I will, yeah. I will show up opening day and I'm ready to go with the Mariners. Yeah, yeah absolutely. that's great. So, so to shift it, this, this episode's about the creative life. And I thought of you because I've known you for 30 years. We used to live in the house together up in Bellingham when we were youngsters. And you were an actor back then. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I've known, I lived in New York City. I've known a lot of actors. And you have the distinction, you're really the only, I know you've worked in technology, mm -hmm. but you've stayed and done theater for 30 plus years. And that is a distinction to me. Um, and to me, it constitutes a true hero's journey because really a hero's journey is taking a road less travel and then trusting your gut and staying with it. So I think my, my first question to you is, you know, did you get bit with the acting at a young age and go, this is what I'm going to do? Or were you just kind of let me do this for a little while. And then it just kept extending. Like, what was the process like? Or was it really feel like a, a, a life purpose and a calling where you're like, no, I know this in my bones. I'm going to do this for a long, long time. It, you know, it was predominantly the former. I mean, I landed in a theater, you know, we called drama class in high school when I was 15 years old. And it was just the first thing that I'd really connected with, you know, as a kid, as a boy, you know, you're playing sports and, uh, you know, you're, you're into, uh, uh, whatever school studies you've got and just nothing ever clicked. I was never an athlete. I never fit into anything mm -hmm. until I arrived at drama class. And suddenly here was this community of people I know how to talk with. There mm -hmm. were things that I could do, things about my personality that just suddenly made sense and were getting validated. And I was having a lot of fun. And I don't, I literally never really questioned it after the age of maybe 15 or 16 years old. 
I think there was sort of a decisive moment in high school where I had to choose between staying in the band because I played trumpet in the band yeah. uh, versus continuing on with the drama classes because they were, you know, at the same time. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just wasn't getting along with my band teacher. I was sort of burned out on the trumpet and the acting thing just was nothing but, you know, sparks lighting up and, and lightning going off. So I, um, I just kept at it and I never quit. I don't, I really never questioned it after that. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I would say, because you talk about the hero's journey and I, I'd never conceived of it that way. You know, I'd never really heard that kind of terminology. I think to a large extent, and I say this because I think this is true for a lot of creative people, mm-hmm. my pursuit of the arts was partly a path on my hero's journey of something else, which mm-hmm. was escaping depression, yeah. was moving away from um, emotional abuse, mm-hmm. verbal abuse as a kid, uh, moving away from anxiety and anger. Mm-hmm. Once I got into the theater, that was my way away from that. You know, yeah. here was this this more emotionally expressive community. Mm-hmm. Here we're telling these stories. I mean, the art of theater is a very empathetic craft. You know, storytelling is very empathetic. So in a way, the hero's journey for me was that personal thing, that emotional thing, moving away from this kind of dark place and fighting mm-hmm. off this depression. Being an artist and being a creative in a lot of ways was the, the avenue to do that was my only way out of that. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. I mean, I think that's a common theme. You see it in a lot of arts where it becomes the outlet for all of the all of your inner power and mm-hmm. your connection to the divine, like something larger than yourself, whether it's a theater community or just a sense of like, you know, I, I'm, I'm in some larger energies here. I'm not just being buried in my own you know, malaise or self-doubt or yeah, all yeah, the trauma yeah. from my, whatever my upbringing was like, you know? Yeah. Well, uh, and especially for an actor too, you know, and you'll hear actors say this where people will say, oh, you, you get to be this, you get to be this other person. There's a, there's a sort of an escape there mm-hmm. on one level, right? Where whatever I'm dealing with in my real world, I've got two hours tonight where I don't have to be that. I don't have to be that person. Yeah. But then there's this other side of it too, where in those couple of hours, you're finally yourself. Mm-hmm. It's this strange double-sided coin where on one side, you've sort of left yourself behind, but on another side, you are living and being the best of yourself. You know, mm-hmm. I think a lot of actors, stage actors especially will tell you that, that when you're in it, when you're in front of the audience, that's sort of personally when you're most dialed in. Mm-hmm. Do you ever, when you're doing a character, have you ever done a character that really, once you were done with it, you were left with a sense of like, I, that really changed me. Like, I really feel like I'm accessing something else now in my life because of this character that I just got to explore or it's, it's not oh, quite like that. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Um, there are those roles that, um, there's those roles that you take something away from. There's the roles that, that teach you something, but more often than not, what happens is that the role itself feeds back into your real life. This is something that David Mamet writes about. I think that other people have written about this too. Mm-hmm. Uh, I read about it from Mamet where the events of the play, Mm-hmm. feed back into your real life, you know? Mm-hmm. And 
actors will express it in rehearsal. They'll go into rehearsal and they'll, they'll try to solve a problem and they'll say, well, I have a problem with this actor over here who's not doing this thing I want them to do. Mm-hmm. I'm having a problem with this set piece, whatever it may be. All of those real world problems are actually the events of the story. Mm. And it sounds, I know it sounds mystical, even Mamet, when yeah. he writes about this, he'll acknowledge this, that it sounds sort of mystical and magical, but man, over and over again, it's absolutely true. So this ends up being the more common thing where the story that you're working on gets mm-hmm. back into your own life. Right, right. Um, and then you can sort of, you'll find sort of a balance of that, right? Like what, what am I bringing into this? And mm-hmm. what, is it, what is it teaching to me? What's it telling me about myself, even as a person or as how I go about this process, right? Am I really paying attention to telling the story or is the story telling me? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I remember I lived in New York for a long time and we, my wife was an actor there and we would go to see a lot of plays and we went on Broadway and saw Brian Dennehy in Death of a Salesman. And I had never seen Death of a Salesman. I'd heard about it. And I mean, it had so much power. Like it was this sacred space. It was almost like not just the actors, but the audience were all in their family wounds in a way. Like yeah. it was triggering for all of us in unique ways, but everybody, there was not a dry eye in the house when they were done and the actors looked spent from exploring the material and yeah. the audience were all rushing to the bar to get a drink because yeah, yeah, yeah. like it just felt like it opened up something that was like really essential and necessary, but also like, whoa, I did not know we were going there tonight like that, yeah. you know? Um, yeah, I mean, that's, I think you're speaking to the power of live theater, you know, it's, mm-hmm. it's, you know, we get that experience when we see film and TV, but when it's something live in front of you, you know, when yeah. it's a real live human being and it's yeah. playing out right in front of you, that's a whole different experience. I just think it speaks to a, a different place in your heart, a different place in your mind. Yeah, absolutely. We we were talking in a previous conversation around courage and I was I was curious to ask you if your definition of courage has evolved or changed as you've gotten older. Um yeah, what what's your yeah. what's your take on courage now compared to maybe when you were younger? It's, you know, it's something that's just come up for me in the last, you know, year and a half. And, you know, you and I've talked to, you know, that I've had this major life change the last year and a half as I left this long-term relationship. Uh, Last year, the beginning of this year, I left a long-time job. So all these new challenges ahead of me. And yeah, I'm called upon to exercise these sort of strengths that I think I haven't needed for a long time. I think Mm -hmm. I just was in a lot of routines and, and very cozy with them. Strength has always been something a little inaccessible to me because I've I've identified it as something exterior, right? Yeah. Um, what this person does in a movie or what this what this character did in a play, well, that's mm-hmm. strong, and so I need to act that way and think that way to have yeah. strength. But it's always been a a bit of a square peg going into a round hole. It's always been like, okay, I'm, I'm putting something on to create yeah. this strength. Mm-hmm. Lately, I've just been thinking in terms of, well, that's, that's like anything else. Like, I don't have to do that. I don't have to meet some other model. So what is, yeah. what is strong to Jason? What does it mean to exercise strength, to practice courage? Mm-hmm. And I'm finding for me that it's not... I guess I've always seen it as a little bit more aggressive, as mm-hmm. having a lot of energy, as being really outreaching. 
But I'm finding now that the strength that's working for me is something that's a little closer. It's, yeah. uh, it's a little more contained. It's a lot calmer. It's, it's in my immediate circle of influence. It just feels very close. It doesn't need anything from anyone else. It doesn't right. need results. And I find that really, really compelling. The little bits and pieces that I'm able to make use of that things just kind of fall into place. I feel better about things. That's great. That's great. I mean, I've always tried to dispel the myth that that courage is only for big, larger-than-life heroes, you know, Gandhi and Martin Luther King and and all of these really famous heroic figures and that inside every man is is a hero is a hero on a hero's journey and that all we have to do you know when in lord of the rings when aragorn and the gang are all facing down mordor and the demons it's a metaphor for the inner demons that we have to face and that can be oh, done very good. quietly i mean a man that decides i'm walking away from worldly possessions because i feel this deep calling to be a monk and i'm going to go sit in meditation for the next 20 years i mean I shiver at the courage that that takes <laughs> to make that decision, right? Yeah. That's his hero's journey. Mine is to continue to face myself, face my fears as I get asked to make have bigger conversations with people because I'm not somebody that particularly likes speaking in front of groups. <laughs> I'm asked to do that and I'm saying yes to my hero's journey. For you and my wife as actors, you astound people with your ease in front of the room, right? Mm -hmm. I'm like, what? Courage. But your particular hero's journey might be something that's not that, something that's being asked of you that's not in your comfort zone, right? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's you're, you're describing this entire year as I've been having to look for work. I mean, this yeah. has been, ever since I was a teenager, the idea of going and finding a job, right? The need yeah. to have money coming in, the need to have employment. I mean, the, I, I, you've no idea how much I wrestle with that. How, sure. what a brick wall it is to just sit down at the computer, look at some job listings and yeah. click apply now, you know? Right. And it's like I was saying, I, I, I think, okay, now I have to find that courage. I have to find that, that really outreaching, muscular, I'm gonna take everything over. Yeah. And it just doesn't, it just doesn't fit. And when yeah. I sit back and I remember, you know, I am me, I've set my own standards. I define who I am. I don't have to beg for anything. I don't have to prove anything. Yeah. That ends up being my strength. That ends up being my courage. And that gets me, you know, out the door. Yeah, totally. I mean, and I think at the root of it too, for people, especially creatives, it's, it's almost like you have to keep trusting your path the whole way, right? Mm. Maybe, Maybe you work on a play or you write a book, like you're validated in some ways, but it's always this kind of day-to-day -day of trusting your path, especially when you've taken roads that not everybody has taken. Mm -hmm. Like some of the hero's journey is going to be on paths that you, you might not even be able to see much of the pathway because there's not that many that went before you in your family, in your tribe, in your friendships, right? You might be the trailblazer or one that's like, there's not that much of a trailway over here with me speaking my truth, but here I find myself, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's, yeah, that, that just, um, what was I trying to say there? Holding true to yourself. And you said something about validation, mm -hmm. that path less taken, because you don't get the validation, you know? No. So you, you A, get used to that, 
Yeah. Um, but B, you're also getting used to something that's not very helpful, right? Right, right. Um, you don't think in terms of, well, I need to keep validating myself. I need to keep yeah. patting myself on the back because I'm not getting those, those back pats externally. Yeah. Um, uh, and I've, through many, through many years of my life, I've lost track of that. I've just accepted, mm-hmm. okay, I'm doing this crazy thing that I don't get a lot of, you know, there's not a whole lot of community societal support for, but it's my thing and I'm doing it. Yeah. And I've forgotten to, to continue to validate myself, to own my choice. You know, this is yeah. my choice. All those other people aren't doing it, but to heck with them, you know, I get to choose. So pat yeah. myself on the back, keep at it. That's great. I remember I, I wrote this little book and I remember um, I had met an author who had written a bunch of books and he gave me this piece of advice. He says, don't wait for the world to love it. You, you love your book, you know? Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, that's it's, great. It's the wrong way. He goes, just you love it like it's your little baby and you'll be fine. You'll be proud of it. It's a good book, you know, but don't wait for everybody else to applaud it and stuff. People are busy and it might not happen the way you think it does. And so that, that oriented me quite well when the book came out because I was like, you know, I'm not bracing for applause. I'm just, I put this out, here it is. And then I could move on to the next thing. So yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm having a lot of that right now. You know, I'm, I'm trying this new direction. I'm, I'm, I'm working towards uh, getting into voiceover acting, which is new to me. And as with anything else, you know, what's the voice coming from, you know, a lot of my community around me? It's like, I get this sense of, okay, here's another artistic venture and yeah. isn't that adorable? And I'm like, no, this is, this is a real career thing. And I'm really very serious about this, you know, <laughs> an opportunity to validate yourself again. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. It's just yeah. that thing of like, okay, I'm just, this is my, this is my thing. This is my space. I'm making this choice and you know, here we go. Yeah. Um, I find myself sometimes doing that where I'm like, you know, I don't know. Even with this show, you know, hey, did you hear episode, you know, what, what <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. that was a really great episode. How yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it, it's like, <laughs> do, do, are, are you, do you find yourself being a little selective, like how often you talk to people about it? Because I, yeah. I do that now with the voiceover stuff. Yeah, I'm very yeah. selective. If I talk to people in my family or my friends, I don't want to get into yeah. a whole big thing about it because it's like, all right, what's, yeah. what's the response going to be? Do right. I really want to hear that? <laughs> I know. I know. It's great. It's great. Yeah. Because then it's like, are you making any money from that. Oh, like, yeah. This, 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 it's all going to come in, you know. Yeah. All right. You know, one step at a time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I got a question. Let's let's see how a young person um, who was getting ready, you know, had this epiphany that they want to follow a creative path. Maybe maybe they're really into art or they're into acting or they're, they're really into photography and say, you know, this is really what I want to do as a career. What kind of advice would you give them as somebody that's, you know, you're a man of a certain age and you've had some miles in the creative life? Like what would you, what would be your, your, your one or two pieces of advice that you would give them to help them orient? Let's say this person's, you know, 17 and getting ready to go to, you know, college and is all like inspired to study the creative arts. It's, you you use the phrase, the creative life. And Mm -hmm. I kind of, I kind of want to interpret that in a couple of ways, right? There's the life where you're pursuing creative activities and then there's you know, living your life in a creative way. And mm. I, I tend to think that they go together. I think the yeah. person that's pursuing the arts kind of owes it to themselves to live in a creative way. The, 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 the advice I think that comes out of that is, especially for that really young guy, is, mm. is keep your options open, you know? Mm keep your eyes open, keep your ears open and 
follow rabbits down holes. So say, all right, I, I love taking pictures. I'm going to be a photographer. I'm going to go to school and study photography. I really want to be a photographer. You're choosing a creative profession. So mm-hmm. understand that you're choosing a life as a creative mm-hmm. and keep your eyes and your ears open to other creative possibilities because you That's don't great. ever really know where it's going to lead or where your creativity is going to really lend itself. That's great. It seems to me like you hear stories of the, the stories we hear about like really high profile creative people mm-hmm is the story of I had a singular focus on this one thing and now I'm an Oscar winning actor. Mm-hmm. I don't think those are the common stories. I think no. the common story you hear is, well, I started off as a sculptor and then uh, I met up with this guy that had a photo studio and I started taking a few pictures with him and then we started up this company and blah, 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 yeah. blah. These are the people, those are the more common stories. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's great. I think that's great coaching, you know, and it's more true to life, I think, than the larger than life Oscar winning actor who's yeah, yeah, like, yeah. you know, I did this because it does. If you're going to commit to the creative life and that's something that turns you on, you will be led into all kinds of collaborations and into different working in different mediums or even different fields. I can see creative people that I know um, jumping around and collaborating and their creativity lends itself to all sorts of different things. I've seen yeah. artists all of a sudden become chefs and they're amazing because they've got all the visual yep. sense of create creativity and how they put themselves into the craft and all yeah. that. Yeah. So. If you, if, if a door opens up and the muse, you know, is on the other side of it, calling you through, even if it's not the field you decided you were going to do, walk through that door, follow yeah. that muse. Yeah. That's great. That's great, Jace. Well, um, you recently participated in your first men's group. And um, I was just curious, what were one or two things that you got out of that? You were, you were in my men's group um, mm-hmm. and we were in with some other friends and it was your first time doing it. And I was just yeah. kind of curious, like, how did you find it? What, was, what were the one or two things that kind of stood out that you got out of it as a man? Um, I, th- I want to say it was the first experience I'd had where the conversation about whatever is good in our life or not good in our life, what we want or don't want, things about ourselves we want or don't want, that that all sort of got laid out all in an even plane, mm-hmm. you know? I think of the things that I don't like about myself and I try to ignore them, I try to get rid of them, things that I'm doing that I don't want to do, things that I want to do. I, I put value judgment on all that stuff. Totally. And coming out of this group, encouraged me to not do that, you know, Mm -hmm. encouraged me to think, look, all of these things are pieces of a full life of my full, rich, emotional life. Mm -hmm. So I place less judgment on all of that now, you know, now it's all part of a whole. And if it's something that's not working, it needs my attention and I need to do something about it. If I'm placing a judgment on it, I have a harder time approaching it. You know, it's, oh, that's that ugly, awful thing. I don't want to think about it. But if it's just part of this, you know, emotional world that I don't judge, okay, great. You know, I can, I can get to it. I can deal with that. Yeah, totally. That's great. I mean, I remember because we, we kind of were cultured in the, you know, for lack of a better way of saying it, kind of the positive psychology. So you always wanted to emphasize what was good and Mm -hmm. maybe not mention what wasn't working in your life. That's kind of the way that we were raised um, by our culture. And so what gets left out or shoved in the closet is all the authentic things that aren't working. I remember the first time I was in a men's group 
And I could not believe how raw and honest and truthful the conversations were from the get-go. Like these yeah. guys were like my marriage and this is what's not working. And, da-da. and you know, it was just like, whoa, these guys aren't flinching. They're just, yeah. they're not in, they're not ashamed. They're just unpacking and just looking us in the eye and there's no judgment. I was like, oh, I see. We're yeah, going to yeah. be this way. This, this works for me, <laughs> right? Yeah. I can tell the truth in here and, yeah, yeah. and I'm not going to be condemned. I'm not going to be shamed for it. Yeah. And it really, yeah, go ahead. And, well, and in particular, the men's group, because being involved in the arts, mm-hmm. I mean, theater people are immensely emotive people, yeah. right? Sure, sure. Especially when you're younger, you know, yeah. being in a play and being with a group of actors is just constantly pouring your heart out. There's lots of tears. There's lots of hugs. Mm-hmm. There's lots of life stories. So to extent, I was sort of used to that. But getting in the men's group, I mean, men, as we know, I mean, I believe we just process emotions differently. You totally. know, we have a different emotional makeup. And when yep. you're in a mixed group, that can be great because you're getting all these different perspectives. But there is something hugely valuable about the insular experience of doing that just with men, yep. just with a group of people that process things in the same way. And yep. that, that was hugely informative. And it was the first experience I've had of that. That's awesome. That's yeah. awesome. It's great to hear. It was great to have you in there. Um, and then... I guess, lastly, what's one recommendation that you have for our listeners for a more creative life? I guess it it could be kind of what you spoke of earlier, like what what is something that maybe you would recommend that helps spark creativity for yourself? It could be a website, a book, a a process, a teacher, just about anything, something that maybe you would point people to that are interested in this conversation around creativity, like, oh, I've never heard of that, or, you know, I've never tried that, or. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I kind of have, I'm not sure if this is actually two different pieces of advice or the same piece of advice worded differently. Um, it's it's in line with what I was saying earlier about like keeping your options open as you're sort of choosing a path. Um, it, it's to diversify, especially as a creative, have a lot of different creative things that you do, right? Mm-hmm. So me, primarily, I've been an actor, but I also, I play the guitar and I mm-hmm. sing a little bit. And um, in recent years, I got involved in doing a little graphic art. I do some some ink on paper. I've done some painting on canvas. Mm-hmm. Um, I've done some photography. Um, all of those are all of these other artistic outlets. What I find having all of that is that they will speak to me with a different voice at different times. That's great. And so that I am always connected. I always yeah. have some outlet. I always have some connection to the muse. I'll have my guitar set aside, you know, for a year and I won't ever touch yeah. it. I'll not draw for a year and then it will come back. Some mm-hmm. other voice in mm-hmm. me speaks, some other thing in me speaks. Um, I think having that connection to the muse, all of those different avenues to the muse, then those things all speak to each other. It just sort of keeps that thing burning. But the other suggestion or the other piece of advice, and I guess the same thing, is have other things in your life that, that aren't art. Yeah. Um, I have a physical practice. I have a yoga practice that I've had off and on, and I've gotten that back going in the last year and a half. I love that to death. Um, I get to the gym. Being physical, that's good. I have gotten into gardening in the last uh, few years. That's really good. These things all still speak to that for me. This all still speaks to the muse. It all speaks to creativity. It all just speaks to that healthier version of me, you know? That's great. I didn't know you were doing yoga. That's fantastic. I yeah, love yeah, yoga. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh man, I love it to death. I had a yeah. good practice going about eight, 
eight or nine years ago, I was in the studio probably three days a week for maybe a year and a half and then got away and dabbled. And then as all of these big changes happened mm -hmm. the year and a half ago, I was like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get back to that. And I just found a studio that I love. I found a class that I really love. And uh, it's turned out to be a, a lot more important to me than, than it, it, it ever has been. Yeah, I, I, I think there's massive upside in yoga for men right now. And so I'm going to definitely be bringing more of an awareness to it in the coming episodes and maybe have a guest or two on that teaches and we can, you know, we can start to explore the value of yoga. I don't think enough men are checking it out for real. You know, mm -hmm. there's still a, there's still a notion that, well, that's for the gals, you know, mm -hmm. we go to the gym and run. But yoga, that's flexibility. That's not really what men do. And, and I'm hoping to start to peel back some of the assumptions about it because yeah. whenever I do yoga, man, do I feel good. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, I feel great in my body, you know. Oh, man, I love it. Yeah. And yeah. it's not there. There. I mean, I'm not I am not really an authority on the topic, but it's there are a number of different flavors, you know, mm -hmm. even at the same studio, I'll go to different teachers. And this teacher's class is much feels much more like fitness. It feels much more body oriented. This teacher's class feels a lot more like it's in my head and in my heart. It's all in the same ballpark, but uh, you'll get little differences in, in emphasis. Yeah. That'd yeah. be fun to explore. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, Jason, thank you so much for coming back on. It's always a pleasure to have you on the show. Yeah. And when the Mariners make the World Series, you and I are going to have to buy tickets. With <laughs> Absolutely. My oh, man. I'm be 100 years old, but we're going to go, damn it. I, I, will, I will stick around till 100 to see that series. 100%. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> thank you, man. Thank all you, right. Bro. Thanks, Tony. Appreciate it. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Jason Manisha. And if you're in the Portland area, go check out his work at Asylum Theater. I really loved what he said about how creativity begets more creativity. This really jives with my experience as well. If you're someone who likes one particular type of creative work, try some other type to keep the creative juices flowing. And if you're someone who's always wanted to be more creative, but has never jumped in, kind of like I was when I was younger, there's never been an easier time to give any number of creative outlets a try. Painting, music, writing, photography, drawing, creativity is its own reward and tends to have far-reaching impact on your life and the way you see things. Thank you, listeners, and we'll see you next week. That's our show for today. Man, remember that the story of your life is not yet all told. I'm Tony Rezac, and thank you for listening to Basecamp for Men.